So last week we spoke about uh, the authority of the believer, and I think I want to speak about this probably again in the future, um, but today is going to be the last one I'm speaking about right now. Uh, this is such an important aspect and such an important concept for every believer to understand. You know, if there's one thing, and, 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 and please get me right, I honor the body of Christ as a whole. Um, I uh, respect every generation's uh, effort to connect with God and to find truths and to apply those truths to our lives. Um, but if there's one thing that have gone wrong in the past is that we have isolated uh, Christianity and spirituality to an elect few, a, 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 a professional few, and the rest were kind of just like, you know, oh, okay, we just have to um and ah, you know, and then go and do what we're told. Um, and, and, and I believe that that was a mistake. I believe that that is akin to what happened with the Israelites right after they left Egypt. And they came to what the Bible calls Mount Sinai, and, and there the Lord appeared to them in all His wonder. But for the fleshly eye, it looked like a massive storm, hurricane that is about to hit us. Uh, and, and everybody looked at this development on the mountaintop, and Moses said, come y'all, God wants to meet with us, let's all go to the foot of the mountain. Let's all approach God. Each individual by his own volition, let's meet with God. And, and what happened was one of the saddest moments in the history of the nation of Israel is they said to Moses, Moses, we're scared of all that. You go. And then you meet with God and then you come and you just tell us what God wants. How sad, right? And yet, that pattern has kind of reoccurred in the Christian church over a couple of centuries now. But it's like it's a, it's a constant thing that we need to guard against. Y'all, God does not want me to enter into the holy presence and bring a message to y'all from God. God wants each and every one of y'all to get close enough with him so you can hear his own voice for yourself. Every day of your week, he wants that kind of close relationship with you, that connection, or what we call in Christian circles, fellowship, right? A couple of fellows in a ship gets kind of close, right? You get, you get kind of tight with one another after a while, you know? After the, after the second hook that you had to dig out of your flesh, you know, it's like you kind of, you know, you, you kind of start hearing, learning where everybody's at, and, you know, every, you, you also learn and discover people's uh, vocabulary, You know, we, we start disclosing a little bit about ourselves and, and we become a little bit more, you know, comfortable with one another. God wanted that. He wanted that approachability. He wanted you to come to Him and just be you. He doesn't want you to come and put up a front and manage what you show to Him. Just come with who you are. Look, if He can't, if he can't work on your heart, to affect change in you, then is he God or not? Like if he can't work on your heart to help you to want to do different, because honestly and truly, until you start to want to do different, you ain't going to do different. But that's where the Holy Spirit becomes so amazing. Is he, if we say yes to Jesus, 
If we say, okay, Lord, I will believe on you for my salvation and I will follow you as my leader, that's what happens on the inside of our hearts. He starts introducing a new nature into our, into our heart of hearts that really and truly wants to do better, wants to do different. But until that time, it's just a behavior. It's just an external management. It's just a behavior management. It's just a temporary adjustment, really and truly. Until your context changes and you find yourself in a different context again, and then that context dictates again how you act and how you operate. God doesn't want us to be like schizophrenic like that, you know? Over here I'm like this, over there I'm like that. I never know really who I am. No, God just wants you to just come with who you are. Just, just, just be real and honest with Him right there where you are right now. Because He accepts us from any place. But then He enters into our hearts. And He starts doing a work in our hearts that only He can do. That brings an internal change of opinion and perspective that then leads to external natural changes. You cannot stop sinning. It's impossible. But if the Holy Spirit enters your heart, you will be empowered by Him to start saying no to unrighteousness and say yes to godliness. But it can't happen without the Holy Spirit inside of you. It's just temporary. Soon enough, that little thing will pop out again. Because you can't do this on your own. You need a new nature. You need to be born again. You need to understand what it means to truly connect with God. And not serve Him out of a religion. But serve Him from a relationship with a radical purpose. And so, today we're going to continue our talk about the authority of the believer. But it really and truly starts with that. It starts first and foremost with me understanding that I am a Christian. I am a son of God. I am a child of God. I have been chosen. I have not been forsaken. He has placed me in his presence and I can work and operate from there. But before we get too serious, or is that too late, are you all ready for a little authority joke? Okay, so my wife, my wife is always the one that starts with jokes, but you all love her more than me. So I'm going to try and compete with that a little bit. So I'm starting to tell jokes in church, right? Okay, so anyways, this is an actual transcript. So y'all, I'm going I'm to mess with you all again, okay? So y'all just be, you know, just be calm and keep your tomatoes to yourselves. Because um, this one is going to, it's about the U.S., okay? And since I'm not from here, since I'm not from here, I'm allowed to, I'm allowed to knock y'all, right? A little bit, just a little bit, okay? But don't worry, I bought a Saints shirt, okay? In fact, next Sunday I'll come, I'll preach with my Saints shirt. Is that, is that appropriate? Can I, can I preach with a Saints shirt? Okay. I love the saints, you know, like the true saints, the church of God. No, I'm missing. I'm missing. I, I like the, the team too. They're not, they're not half bad. All right. Um, I didn't say I like football. No, I'm missing. I'm li I like football now, okay? I've decided to like football. Okay. Let me just say, y'all going to hate me after this one because um, the other guy I'm talking about is a Canadian. Okay, it's an authority joke, just, just, just hold up. This is, all, this is just an encouragement to us all, okay? Really, you, truly, you'll see at the end, it is an encouragement, okay? All right, an actual transcript of a U.S. naval ship with a Canadian authority off the, course of Newf off the coast of Newf Newfoundland 
in uh, October of 1995. This was released in a radio conversation by the Chief of the Naval Operations on October 10th, 1995. Okay, so this is true. This really happened. Okay, so you can't even, you know, you can't even be mad at me. Just be mad at yourselves. Okay. <laughs> so the American captain, please divert your course 15 degrees to the north to avoid a collision. The Canadian responds, recommend you divert your course 15 degrees to the south to avoid a collision. So the American says, this is the captain of a U.S. Navy ship. I say again, divert your course. So the Canadian says, no. We say again, divert your course. So the American loses his stuff and he says, this is the aircraft carrier USS Abraham Lincoln, the second largest ship in the United States Atlantic Fleet. We are accompanied by three destroyers, three cruisers, and numerous support vessels. I demand you change your course 15 degrees north. That's one five degrees north, in case you're a stupid Canadian. Or countermeasures will be undertaken to ensure the safety of this ship. Canadian, this is a lighthouse. Your call. <laughs> <laughs> oh, some people are already walking out. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. <laughs> oh, they need coffee after that. All right, all right, all right. Let me take some water. If I die here today, I want to die quenched. Excellent. I like this jokes in church thing. I might do it some more. <laughs> so let me, let me intro the, the, the sermon here today by just starting making a statement about the authority of each and every one of us as believers. Every believer is given authority to partner with the Holy Spirit to make tangible, tangible the victory that Christ accomplished through his death and resurrection. So that, see, there's a purpose. That's why Christianity is not just a religion. It's a, a relationship. It's a relationship with radical purpose. So that the image and the glory of God will fill the earth. So that the image and the glory of God will fill the earth. Now, I know that the word glory is sometimes a little weird because, like, what's the glory? Ooh. It's like, I don't know if you remember that, <laughs> that cartoon or that animation, uh, Monsters vs. Aliens, where this guy, this, this blob, um, here's what this um, lady's name is. Her name is Susan. And then he goes, Susan. It's like glory. What the heck is glory? Uh, it's been said so many times in songs. We read of it in the Bible. So we're going to clarify that word in a little bit. But that is the purpose for why we get authority. We get authority so that the image and the glory of God can fill the earth. Okay. Jesus told his disciples, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So let's recap those two power words that we spoke about last week. The word dunamis is a meaning of being able, having innate power, ability. It's capacity for something. All of us have a measure of dunamis, but we also know that the enemy has power. He has abilities. 
Most of his ability lies in the realm of deception. And once he gets us to agree with him, now he has access to do other things. Okay? So that's the, that's the, 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 the basic understanding of the enemy's power, his dunamis. He cannot do anything on earth except where he is being invited to do it by us. Us meaning humanity, okay? Because he has lost his, that's the other word we talked about, authority. He lost his authority when Jesus took back the keys of um, Hades, death and Hades. In other words, Jesus now has authority of the earth and what happens on earth. Jesus' authority is backed by somebody because he did not take his authority in and of himself. He was given authority by God. And so from that we come to understand that the word authority means backing power. It's not just internal ability power. It's backing power. It's something that when you stand for it, it backs you up. Okay? So a little boy on the playground gets bullied, but the minute his dad shows up, he can be real cocky to the bully. Why? Because he's got somebody backing him up, right? It's backing power. Suddenly he just rises in authority, and now he can tell that other guy to do things that he would never be able to tell him because his dunamis was less than the other guy's dunamis. Now if we think about it that way, in terms of spiritual ability, the enemy has a lot of power. And he is very good with his skill set. And he manages to trick us all the time. But as long as we have the authority of God backing us, we can submit to God because that's the only way you get him to back you. Resist the devil and then he will flee from you in all senses. That's the difference between dunamis power and authority power, backing power. It gives you jurisdiction, right? It gives you the right to act. Everybody say, right to act. So you spoke about last week how it's so important for Christians to realize that we have the right to act, okay? When I realize my authority in Christ, I'm empowered to act regardless of my feelings or of the circumstance, So I don't have to wonder if it's okay for me to do what the Bible asked me to do. Like share my faith, share my testimony, pray for somebody, help somebody, love on somebody, uh, speak into something, maybe at times lovingly correcting somebody. I don't need anybody else's permission because I have the authority of heaven backing me already to do that. If we don't realize our right to act, we might have all the power in the world, but we'll never use it. Because we don't feel it's right to act. And last week we covered why it is right for us to act and how we've gotten that authority. But I want to speak to you a little bit about just um, about God's intention right from the beginning. And, why, and you know, how, how he interacted with mankind. So let's read a couple of verses. Psalm 115 verse 16 says this. The heavens are the Lord's heavens. But the earth he has given to man. The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to man. We don't have authority to, in and of ourselves as humanity, to dictate what happens in heaven. We don't. But God has actually given us authority over earth. 
That's why each of our decisions and actions matter so much. That's why our actions lead to consequences, whether we like them or not, whether we intended for them or not. Because we have such right to act here on earth that I can even choose to kill and the person will be dead. Because I have the right to act as a human being on earth. Is it right what I did? No, it's not right what I did, but did, was I given enough authority on earth to enact such heinous deed? Yes, I was given that authority. And so we can't go about living on earth just thinking that it's okay for me to go and do anything that I want because everything I do will have consequences. Everything I do will have consequences, good or bad. And I can't blame anybody for, my con for the consequences of my own actions. See, there's a, there's a big thing going around today that, that people want to blame other people for the consequences of their own actions. Well, we don't have that because you have been given authority to act on earth. But unfortunately, we started using our authority for our own means and no longer for God's glory and image to be filled over the earth. So God gave the earth to man, but he gave the earth to man inside of a relationship and a connection with him. Adam had a connection with God before he chose to break his agreement with God, right? And the minute he chose to break his agreement with God and he came into agreement with Satan, all of a sudden, his actions had a hectic consequence and he couldn't blame anybody for that consequence. God did not even allow him to blame his wife. We have to see that that is on us because we have been given such authority of earth. Psalm 8 verse 4 to 6 repeats this thing. It says, what is man that you are mindful of him? It's okay, you don't have to understand right now. You just be nice and quiet over there. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion. That is ruling power over a domain. Over the works of your hands, you have put all things under his feet. Last week we uh, read a scripture, I'm going to read it again in a little while, but this sounds a lot similar to that scripture that God uh, you know, had, us write, had Moses write down for when man was made in the first place. Let us make man and, and then it says and it goes, repeats these things, have them have dominion. Have them have ruling power over this specific domain and some of the elements of this domain. You see, throughout history, God has consistently used people, specifically those who feared him and obeyed him, but sometimes even those who disobeyed him, to fulfill his will on earth, to execute his plans on earth. And there's nothing different today. God still wants to use you to execute his will on earth. Are you aware of that? Are you actively pursuing that? 
So in the past, God would use these elect individuals and he chose one nation, right? That's the old covenant. And that was a setup for his actual will. The Bible says the old covenant was a shadow of the actual true desire of what God wanted to create. So the New Testament that we live in, this is the real stuff. Before, it was just a, um, was something that was, it was like a, a silhouette of what he actually wanted. Israel, the physical nation of Israel was a silhouette of what God really wanted. He wanted a people from all tribes, tongues, and nations all across the whole earth, not just one geography. The law was a silhouette of the type of morality that God wanted this people to live in, but not from a perspective of, uh, of, of do's and don'ts and punishment, but from a perspective of want and desire and reward. So we have to understand the two different covenants intended the same thing, but one was a setup for the other one. We're living in the reality of what God wanted all the time. We get to have relationship with God even though we're not part of a specific nation. Every single nation, every type, every tongue, every generation God wants relationship with. And now in this new covenant, every single believer is able and it was, is enabled to do and act like those, those special guys did in the Old Testament. The Josephs, the Moseses, the, 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 the Jacobs, the, uh, the Davids, right? We're all, we're all in, empowered to live like those guys did. Even though we're not necessarily leaders per se, but in our own right where we are, we get to exact, we get to execute the purposes of God. How is this possible? It's a simple difference between in the Old Testament, Christ was a foreshadowing promise, now Christ is an indwelling reality. Each and every one of us have Christ living on the inside of us if we have made Jesus the Lord and Savior of our lives. And this empowers us, this gives us the authority because we are in Christ. Listen to what Colossians 1 verse 27 says. To them, talking about those who have believed, God chose to make known his great, um, how great among the Gentiles, y'all, we are the Gentiles, okay? None of us are, um, well, except if you're of Jewish heritage, okay, and you now live in America, but if you have not been a Jew ever in your history, uh, then you are a Gentile person, okay? I'm a Gentile too, um, and God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. Right? So this mystery of, of that he always wanted a people from every tribe and tongue and every nation, that he always wanted to live within or every individual. This mystery, how it worked, how it was, was kind of like overshadowed or hidden for ages. Now God has made it known to us that he does not just want the physical Israel people, he wants everybody. He wants children from every place on earth. And he chose to make known that to us. How, what is what he made? He made known to us that from now on, Christ will live inside of us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. The hope of us living up to the standard of God. The hope of us understanding what God's original plan always was. The hope of us being empowered to live like Christ on this planet. 
all of that, the glory of God being revealed to us now, you are able to do that because Christ lives on the inside of you. So when Christ says that he's the head and we are the body, it truly means that we are to continue to do the works that he started here on earth. We've fallen away from that so far that for some of us here, it's even hard to comprehend what I am actually saying here today. Because we've made Christianity so much about just this traditional action that I do on a Sunday or even just, you know, um, coming but not realizing that it wasn't about me. It's about God's kingdom and his desire for the whole earth that we are almost like as, as soldiers enlisted into his army to go and fight for his cause out there. That it's hard to understand why I need to understand all of this. But that's why it's so important that we realize that for every believer, Christ has become an indwelling reality. And because of that, we have the authority to act on his behalf here on earth. But the minute we make this about us, we lose our backing power. Why? Because God won't, he won't condone that. He does not back your will he backs his will through you. And so many of us try things and try to live this Christian life, but we have ourselves in the center. We have our own, own motives and our own intentions in the center of it. And then God just goes, all right, let's see how you do. He doesn't leave us or forsake us, but his authority sure don't back us when we want to use this for our own benefit. And so this is so important that we realize when the Bible says submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you, that that is an absolute order in how, the way things should happen for us to have victory over things that we're struggling with here on earth. Until you submit to God, his authority don't back what you're trying to change. If you're praying about something that's hard that you're going through, but you choose to do life your own way, then the authority of heaven don't back you. You're trying to resist the devil, but he don't flee from you, and you think prayer don't work, but what does not work is when you have prayers that aren't backed by God's authority because you're not submitted to him. So all these things are put in place so that we will be powerful. We will be overcomers. But we have to understand that a kingdom has order. And we serve at the pleasure of the king, not the other way around. So there is a reason why he gave us authority. And today I want to focus on why he gave us authority. What's the nature of that authority? How do we exercise that authority? You'd like to know how to exercise that authority in your life right now? It's something that you feel like, man, if I could just 
enact the authority of God over this situation. I sure wish that, I would sure love to be able to speak with some, some clout into, into something that's currently happening in my life. We all have situations like that. We're just, we're trying, we're trusting God. Maybe it's even not something bad, but maybe it's something that I'm just really wanting, I'm trusting God for. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then He will add those things to you that you desire as well. But if you put those things before God, God don't condone idolatry. So even your vision for your, for your, for your life, your dreams for what you, want to be, what you want to still accomplish, if you don't put that second to God's will for your life, you're going to work very hard and you might accomplish a lot because we do have power, y'all. And we do have some authority here on earth. And so often we accomplish things and we think it was God backing us, but it was just God not leaving us. God truly wants us to get the order right. And so when I talk about why he gave us authority, we have to have that mindset in place. I'm here to serve at the king's pleasure, not to finagle him or manipulate him to do things that I want. It's first his desire, and if I seek him in his righteousness, then he will let all things come to pass for me too. Okay, I'm going to move on from that point. So, in Genesis 1, 26 and 27 and 28, it speaks about God's intention. Like, right in the beginning, let us make man in our image and let them have dominion over the fish, the birds, the livestock, and uh, over all the earth. And every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And, 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 and later on, he, he repeats it. After he made man in, in his image, male and female, created them. He says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish, the birds, the living things that, that creeps on earth. It's important to understand that that word there for creep is the same word in verse 26. Uh, in your Bible, it might say move on earth, but it's important to understand that word actually has meaning. It's the same word that's translated once as creeping and, and the next time as moves, but they're both the same words. They both mean animals things that walk, things that do not, in other words, they're not human, okay, because that's an important point. But God gives us as humans the authority over everything. And then in Matthew 28, we get that great commission. Verse 18, 19, all authority has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Essentially, what God said in the beginning in Genesis and what God says in the beginning of the New Testament is the exact same command, it's the exact same commission. In Genesis, it focuses more on the physical reality of it. In Matthew, it focuses more on the spiritual reality of it. But the fact is, in Genesis, you cannot do the physical without the spiritual connection. And in the New Testament, you cannot have the spiritual connection and it not flow into the physical. Both are the same mandate. That we are to go and take dominion of this planet and execute God's will on it. We are connected to God so that his will can flow through us. That's why God said to Adam, go and expand, multiply, fill the earth. 
but do it from a connection with me. And that's why when, when Adam broke the connection with God, he could not execute God's will on earth anymore. And all of a sudden, earth took on man's fallen image. And soon it had to be destroyed and re rebooted. Again with what? A man with connection. So we were given authority so that we can enact the will of God. Not so that we can live for ourselves and become rich and live our own dreams. We were given authority so that we can have victory and thrive in this life. Why? Because God needs people who have overflow so that his will can overflow to places where people don't know him yet. But the minute we become self-centered and we keep everything to ourselves for our own dreams and desires, God says, that's okay, you can do that, but I don't back that with my authority. And soon you start finding trouble after trouble, calamity after calamity, thing after thing. It's just one thing after another. Why? You're walking in your own strength. You're walking for your own purposes. But when we walk in our authority in the same way that Christ walked in it, we glorify God the most. And here's something I want you to know. When God is completely glorified through your life, you will, completely, you will be completely satisfied in your life. We're all looking for that sense of peace, of harmony. It's not to be found outside of the purposes of God. When you truly go all in with Jesus, that's when your life starts being set up to produce that desire that you want. And that's the end goal of discipleship. That's what we want everybody to grow toward. That's the big why. 1 Corinthians 6.17 says this, But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one with the Lord. Right? Becomes one with somebody. When you're one with somebody, you share their hopes, you share their dreams, you share their emotions, right? You, 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 you come close enough so that you can kind of with a look know what they're thinking. You start having the same mind about things. You're, you've, you've groomed your opinions to a place where you kind of feel the same way about things. Now, sometimes it takes long. Sometimes it happens quick. Certain topics, it's immediate. Other topics, it might take a while. But the beauty of the Spirit of God coming and residing on the inside of our hearts is that that process kicks into gear where our minds are being renewed and we start thinking like Jesus. We start feeling like Jesus about certain things. We, we sing that song, Lord, break, your, break my heart with the things that break your heart. Help me to see a matter with the same perspective you look at it with. Because we're starting to be internally changed. So where your opinions don't match up with the Bible's opinions, that's a need of connection, a lack of connection. Because the more you connect, the more he rubs off on you. There's such a richness in connecting with Jesus, going all in with Jesus.
But sometimes we're so distrusting. We're so like, oh, I need to, I need to protect my own. If I go all in with Jesus, he's just going to take everything from me. Far from it. When you go all in with Jesus, he's going to give you more than what you could ever hope to dream of. But it does require you to go all in. In my own heart, in your own heart, say, okay, Jesus, I want to go all in me, on my own account, my decision. Not because dad does it, not because mom does it or doesn't do it, because I want to respond to this promise of your word that I get to live with you and, and, and execute your purposes. And I know if I seek your purposes, first and foremost, all things that I need and desire will be added to me over time. If you think about it, what an incredible honor is this not? Despite our past sins, despite our weaknesses, despite our failures, despite our rebellion, Christ comes and lives in us. And then he starts giving us the authority to execute his will. He includes us in what he wants done here. Man, that boggles my mind to this day. How God long suffered with me so long through my junk that he would still include me to this day. But you know what? There was a time when I doubted that, like I, I highly doubted that. I was going to leave ministry because I felt that I am no good. I can't do this. I am too much of a failure. And it was a long season. It was about a season of about two and a half years where I battled with this. And at every corner, I was trying to look for a way out, but I just couldn't find a way out. And it came to the point where I was just like, Lord, what do you want from me? And he simply told me this. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And I will never cut you out of my plan. I heard him say that to my, I heard him say to my, to my heart the one night. I was praying and I was frustrated. And I just heard these words in my heart. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And I'll never cut you out of my plan. And it just brought such an affirmation to my heart. That no matter how long it takes for me to get on top of things. He's never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me. He's never going to cut me out of his plan. So I don't care who you are and where you've been and what you've done. I want you to know he's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. He's never going to cut you out of his plan. He's going to long suffer with you. He's going to be patient with you. And he's going to journey with you. Yes, little old you in the shadows who nobody sees. Yes, you with the big mouth that says wrong things more often than you feel is even possible. It doesn't matter who you are. If you are in Him, if you have given your life to Him, He will journey with you. My desire and hope for you is that you would hurry along though. There's so much to be gained. There's so much to be experienced. 
There's so much to be enjoyed if you just give the heck up. Okay, Lord, I give up. I'll do it. I'll come along. I'll say yes. Just do it. Don't wait more. Don't have, don't have but, but if and what if and oh, but this and oh, I'm not that. That's just the devil whispering in your ear. Reasons why you shouldn't go all in with him. Don't let him win. So let's talk about this authority. When we talk about the authority that God gives us, we must make sure that we avoid two harmful mindsets. The one is either nothing will happen unless I make it happen. Sometimes it comes forward as like, you know, oh, God only helps those who help themselves. There's no Bible verse that says that. Um, that's a harmful mindset. It's, it's scripture taken out of its proper context. The other one is the invert of that. It's like God does everything regardless of me. God is, you know, whatever will be, will be. We must avoid both those extremes and find ourselves here in the middle where it's a little uncomfortable, but we have to learn how to figure, we have to figure out what is my responsibility, what do I leave for God to do? And that wrestle gets us to build character and gets us to know him better, gets us to know, okay, what is my job and when must I rest and let it be God's job? But each of us have the responsibility to step into that. You have something to do. You have actions to take to put you in that place where the Holy Spirit will now back what you're doing and His work can happen. Do what you need to do and He will do what He needs to do. But sometimes Christians are overzealous and they try to do the Holy Spirit's job. And then it comes across as judgmental, uh, you know, bigoted, Etc., etc., etc. Sometimes Christians are too timid and they think, oh no, I don't have the right to do nothing here. And then they keep God's influence out of the situation. Either way, we're not going to win. We need to step in with the right to act and say, this is what I'm going to do. Here's where I'm going to position myself. I'm not going to isolate, I'm not going to overtake. I'm going to serve. I'm going to love consistently. I'm going to be a, a, a voice of truth. I'm going to be a model of righteousness. I'm going to long suffer. I'm going to pray. I'm getting ahead of myself. He wants to work in us and with us to fulfill his purposes on earth. You are important. If you do not click in, it's like the cog in a machine that's not clicking in. And when you don't click in and start moving with this, there's a whole function of the machine that's just dormant. And people are not getting served the way they ought to be served because you're not clicking in yet. You are important. Your actions do matter. They have consequences. Sometimes it's the lack of actions that have consequences. You can't sit back in this church and say, oh, they'll do it. No, they'll do theirs. You do yours. Everyone has a part to play. Sometimes we think, oh, I can't do this. I'm not good enough. I'm not spiritual enough. I'm not blah, 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 blah. That's where we learn how to yield 
to him. Because our authority comes from Jesus living inside of us, not from our, um, our own abilities. It's authority, y'all. It's not power. It's exousia, not dunamis. It's not up to you to make it happen, but you have to show up for it to happen. It's a mystery. But we have to catch that. Otherwise, you are going to feel like I'm not valid. Or it'll be okay if I just tag along. It will not. We miss you. We miss you clicking in and pulling weight with us. We miss you. We need you. Every single one of us are backed by God himself to fulfill his purposes through us. And it's not even based on our emotions, on our feelings, or our circumstance. It's like I go, oh, sometimes I've seen the greatest answers to prayer in moments where I felt the least spiritual. Sometimes I went like, oh, I don't even have faith for this right now, but let's just, let's just pray. Lord, I just pray that you help this person. Heal them. I know it's your will, but Lord, help us all in our unbelief. And then, wonder by wonder, things happen. And maybe it's so that God gets all the glory, but I just sometimes think it's because I yielded to his will And if I'm willing to yield to his will, it's not up to my dunamis, my power, it's up to his authority. But God has decided to give authority of earth to mankind. And so if you do not show up, you withhold God from entering in. So listen to this, Ephesians 1, to 23. This is beautiful. Ephesians 1, to 23. And he put all things under his feet. He, God, put all things under his, Jesus' feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is the body. Church, we are the body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. All things are under Christ's feet. But we are Christ's fullness that completes the work that he started. Let me read that scripture verse for you again because what y'all think just now is blasphemy, no. <laughs> Let's read the verse again. And he, God, put all things under his, Jesus' feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. Jesus is the head of the church, no doubt. Which is the body, we are the body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. We are Christ's fullness, y'all. We are meant as the body to take what the head wants and enact it on earth. It's through our participation that Christ's will is executed on earth. Each and every one of us matter. Each and every one of us have a task, have a purpose. Who fills the world with his glory and image so let's talk about that word glory okay the bible says glory is three things it's light it's weight and it's purpose remember this glory is light weight and purpose light 
is understanding. When the God's glory comes on our minds, we get enlightened to his will and his purposes. When God's weight bears down on us, we are changed into his image. That's when, when, we, when, when, when a mold gets put on wet clay and it presses down on it. The clay assumes the shape of the mold. God's glory, his pressure, his influence comes onto our hearts and it changes us into his image. We become looking more and more like Jesus, thinking more and more like Jesus, uh, uh, acting more and more like Jesus. And glory is purpose. It's when we start seeing our true identity. This is who I am becoming. I realize I am becoming this because of that. Because of them. Because of the purpose of God on my life. So last week I said every believer has the same spiritual authorization that Jesus had. Because we have the same word, the same commission, the same love, the same glory and one thing I didn't mean, mean, I just mentioned in passing last week, but I didn't spend time on it, was we have the same spirit. So in John 20, Jesus said to them, 21, peace be with you as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Think about how did God send Jesus? Right? Just think about all that Jesus was sent to do. As the Father sent me, now I'm sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. We have the same Spirit of God living inside of us. Therefore, we can demonstrate the kingdom like Jesus demonstrated the kingdom. Because the same Spirit lives on the inside of us. Right? So what does that demonstration of the kingdom look like? What have we been given authority to do? Listen to this, y'all. Listen to this. Christ defeated sin so we can share forgiveness with other people. Luke 24, 47. This is going to be rapid fire, so y'all stay with me. And that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. Who's going to do the proclamation to all nations? We're going to do that. What are we going to proclaim? Forgiveness of sins. Why? Because Christ forgave sin. Because the head overcame sin. We have the authority to share forgiveness of sin. I can come to somebody who says, your sins are forgiven if you repent in the name of Jesus. You can't just say that if you don't have authority to say that. But you've been given authority to share forgiveness. Same with sickness. Christ defeated sickness so we can minister healing. Matthew 16, 18. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. Now it's not some, some amazing guy out there that does, you know, Street evangelism or, 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 or crusades or, or tent meetings or revivals or whatever, they pray for the sick. No, 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 you can pray for the sick. You have Christ in you, the life of Christ in you, the spirit of Christ in you, the same commission, go out into this world and take dominion over the things of this world that's not of God. You have that same authority. You can pray for the sick and they will recover. Christ defeated Satan so we can break demonic strongholds and minister deliverance. You don't have to bring them to me. You can pray the devil out of that person. And these signs will accompany those who believe. Do you believe? In my name they will cast out demons. You don't need, almost said something stupid I was going to regret <laughs> Christ overcame the world so we can release God's glory, his light, his understanding, his weight, his image, his identity, his purpose, his actions, his will, his desires. We can release that on earth. Matthew 16, 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. 
It's understanding the will of God and letting it go on earth through your life and through your influence. Last one, Christ defeated death so we can minister in the life-giving gifts that the Holy Spirit provides for us. Luke 24, 49, behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. Stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. Y'all, that is for all of us. Do you believe me? Do you believe the word? See, we've, we've, we've drifted so far away from what God meant the body to be. Y'all, the body is attached to the head. The body does what the head wants, right? If the head wants people saved, healed, set free, what should the body want? For people to be saved, healed, set free. Let's renew our minds. Let the glory of God hit our minds so that we might have the understanding here today of what this authority was for, for each and every one of us. Let me just list a couple of quick things that he did not give us authority to do. He did not give us, and this is not an exhaustive list, but this is very important. He did not give us authority to dominate other humans. Nowhere does it say enslave other people. This is the original will of God. However which way they lived in the Old Testament was out of the will of God. God tolerated that until he could fix it in the new covenant. Now we're in a place where we understand the will of God was always dominion but not control people. Changing scripture or decide which parts of it are relevant for today or which parts of it I need to obey or not obey. We did not get authority to decide that. Communicating with the dead. We're not allowed to do that. Condemning anybody to hell. We're not allowed to do that. Destroying his creation. We did not get authority to do that. When we do that, we act outside of his will. Why? Because he said, cultivate it. Deciding whether or not we're going to base progress. I said that one already. There are things that we did not get authority to do. Guys, praying for sick people is not one of the things he did not, not give us authority to do. That's exactly what he wants us to do. Preaching the gospel to people, that's exactly what he wants us to do. What he has commissioned us to do. So let's not try and let's not let's move away from the things that we don't are not supposed to do with our authority, but let's start engaging the things that we have been given authority to do. Okay, how do we exercise this authority? Our authority works by faith and actions. Hebrews eleven verse one says, "Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen." It's by faith. We enact it by faith. We express our authority in faith when we act on what we believe. That's why the Bible is so clear. Faith without actions is dead. You're only expressing your authority when you start acting on what you believe. Okay? What have we been commissioned to do? Proclaim God's good news. Declare his promises over our circumstances. Pray the scriptures. My, if you don't know what God's will is, just open the Bible. It's there. It's there. Take a scripture and pray it. Lord, you say in your word, therefore I say. You pray the will of God over a situation. You pray his authority over the situation. Casting out de demonic spirits. Well, I don't know if this guy deserves to be forgiven. What? No. Cast the devil out of that guy and call him to repentance. Jesus has a good plan for your life. He wants life to come into you. He wants... Um, he wants 
Jesus wants you to know that you are amazing, that you are enough. He wants to affirm you. For so many of us here, we have not been affirmed. We've not been valued because of lack of parents or parents that were maybe too quiet about it. They thought it, but they never said it, so I felt, didn't feel it. God wants to bring those lack things, those core needs. He wants to fulfill them for you so that you can walk in the understanding that I am valuable. I am necessary. You are necessary and valuable. Um, declaring God's will over a situation. Lay hands on the sick and the oppressed. And then another thing. Whew, unified influence. Unified influence. See, this exousia, this authority, it's like a, it's like a pressure, uh, it's, it's, it's like a, 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 a pressure tank. Some issues in this life needs pressure to overcome. It's like I have authority over my life, over my household, right? And I have authority being given by God to lead this church as a, as a, as a servant leader, uh, but I don't have authority over the next guy's church, right? I need to know what my metron is. Remember we spoke about the metron, my area of influence. Now I have authority to act on behalf of Jesus in this city as a spiritual leader, but every time how broader the area becomes, the more my authority diminishes in terms of its direct impact. So how do we change a whole region? Pressure. Unified action. It's when you and I start agreeing about certain things. And when you and I start saying the same thing and doing the same thing, believing for the same thing, praying for the same thing, now we start developing a corporate unity that is backed up by the authority of God. That's why unity is so necessary. So as a church, I'm trying to unify us. I'm trying to get us to see the same, think the same, and look at me, there's nothing wrong with unity. There's nothing wrong with diversity either. either. But when there is division, when I'm trying to accomplish something different than you, now we're no longer in unity. When I'm trying to bring nuance to what we're doing, or I'm trying to expand what we're doing so that it, it accomplishes the same thing but broader, now we're working together. So I'm not becoming a robot that mindlessly just go, yes, 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 yes. No, I'm engaging, I'm saying yes and what about this? Yes and what about this? Not but, ah, uh, but. Let's keep the buts out of this. Let's add some ands into this. So I'm trying to unify us to start seeing the same about discipleship. Our authority, our right to act, our, our, our intentions for this area. And to the, to the degree that we start clicking in. Yes, man, let's change this place. Yes, we can do this. Yes, I've got faith for that. And you know what i got faith for? i got faith for this. Good, add that to what we're doing. The more people that say yes to our, our corporate calling as a church, the greater our impact is going to be in this area. We're going to start seeing huge mountains move 
Let me tell you, when there's a momentum like that happening, you just get sucked into that slipstream, boy, and your growth expel exponentially increases. You get breakthrough over things that you didn't even ask for breakthrough in. Why? Because there's now just, a, there's just like a momentum that goes. It's called a revival. You can't organize a revival. Oh, we're going to hold a revival. No, you're not. You can do a conference, yes. But a revival happens when there is unity of spirit and people start agreeing to the same thing. People start saying, I am in. Let's do this together. Let's take those values and let's start living them out the best way we can together. As we do that, our authority, our influence just increases. And people get sucked into that vortex and just people's lives just transform with very little effort. Because the, it's, just a, it's just a move of the spirit that happens, but we need that unity. And that only happens when we decide as individuals to click in, to click in. So that's how we express our authority. And all the time we need to realize that we're not fighting people. We're fighting powers and principalities in the spiritual world that is wanting us to not be unified, wanting us to walk in bitterness and unforgiveness toward one another, wanting us to, to hurt one another, wanting us to... But y'all, we're not going to do that because we're going to yield to God. Amen? All right, let's all stand and pray. I didn't get to the end of my message, but we need to, we need to stop. So I'll, I'll add some, some things and other messages that kind of just work in those, those thoughts. But if you, if you look at the, um, if you look at the, what do you call that? The, the body armor, the armor, the, the armor of, of God. Each of them has a confession to it. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth. What's the truth? I belong to Christ and I've been commissioned by Him. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. I am righteous. I am a son of God. Take that and pray that over your life and make that confession so that your authority to act might be restored to you. And we will see some amazing things happen. Let's all pray together. Heavenly Father, we just come to you today and we just thank you. Thank you for Christ in us. It's not up to us, it's Christ in us that sets us up on that rock from where we can rule and reign in this life with you, Jesus Christ. Learn us, teach us, Lord. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.